Thank you. Holy Spirit, for being in our midst today. We thank encounter. Amen. Breaking out with new praise and worship. Powerful songs that uh, forced me out of my office. Amen. Made me try to dance a little bit, but thank God. Thank God for the excellence of ministry. God honors that. God honors that. Good to have Jasmine here. We've known her for many, many years, and she is a school teacher now. Praise God. Amen. 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 So glad to have her. She's a friend of Brandon's. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn with me in your copy of the Word of God in the book of Joshua, and uh, I want you to Focus your attention on the fourth verse of Joshua chapter 3. And we read, Yet there shall be a space between you and it about a half a mile, 2,000 cubic by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have called us to be those who make an eternal mark by pouring into the lives of others what you've already taught us so that they too may become followers of Jesus Christ through the ministry of discipleship. What a sacred calling. And yet, God, we are not without the equipment that we need. It is with that in mind, God, we are excited about what you are going to do to cause us to leave our print for eternity by being makers of disciples. We thank you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus, the church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God for a new decade. And we are honored to, I am honored to stand before you as we seek to hear what the Lord has to say to us on this first Sunday, 2020. Somebody say amen. amen. When my wife and I uh, traveled long distances by car with our children uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, we would always stop by AAA, and we would go there to get our trip ticket, and the representative would ask us uh, where we were traveling from, and uh, he or she would ask what our destination was. And once we got the information from the travel agent, uh, we'd sit down at a desk, and she would print out I like this accordion-type map that was really detailed. And then she would take a yellow Sharpie and mark off <clears throat> the way we should travel, including the speed traps uh, we should avoid. Then there would be a large map that would be of the state that we were traveling in, and that, too, would be marked off. Uh, so that we would know uh, exactly how to get to where we were going. Once we got our directions, we would pack the car and begin to make our way to our destination. And most often, we would be traveling from Niagara Falls, New York, uh, to Philadelphia. But there are times when we've gone south, New Orleans and Atlanta and all those kinds of places 
to get to where uh, we were heading to see family. Um, there would, as we were driving, as I needed help, my wife would bark out instructions. Uh, she was the expert reading what was already uh, trans, uh, uh, transcribed for us. And uh, even as we clearly were uh, given the directions, there were times when we'd actually have to pull off and uh, look at the big map to see how much distance we had traveled and what the estimated time of our arrival would be. And with all of that help and looking at maps, uh, there were times we still figured out a way to get lost. Uh, anybody ever been lost on a highway? Amen. Amen. Well, I don't have any shame in my game, so I will ask in a hurry uh, to get the help that I need. Now, for many of us, uh, AAA and the trip ticket is now obsolete. Uh, even though we have people that are employed by AAA, uh, if you have a cell phone, uh, most of us can access directions through Google Maps or Google Quest, MapQuest, or whatever it's called, and or if you have a navigation system in your car. And the amazing thing uh, for some cars, you just tell, you speak to uh, Alexa or Mercedes. I got it wrong again. Amen. Praise God. I'm consistent. And you tell... Uh, the person on the opposite side, and where you want to go, you tell them where they want to go, and they'll <clears throat> uh, not only hear what you're asking them about where you want to go, but it will formulate the directions and give you a detailed explanation for every turn that you'll have to make in addition to the estimated time of arrival. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, even if you don't have a iPhone or a phone that allows you to get directions to whatever destination you're heading to, if you are born again, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you have placed your trust in his completed work as our sacrificial savior. He died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. And the Bible says, if we agree, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be, we will be saved. The moment that you trusted Christ and became a part of his eternal family, deposited into your life is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so every Christian has an internal and an external GPS. The internal GPS is the Spirit of God. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and the daughters of God. The Bible says that the Spirit himself living in us bears witness that we are the sons and the daughters of God. In John chapter 16, verse 13, John, Jesus speaking before his death, he said, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak up on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come that is what the ministry of God's Spirit, who is living in you, has. He directs us. He convicts us. He corrects us as to what God's expectations are. That's the internal witness. The external witness is the Word of God. David says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? A light unto my path. And so we have an external and an internal GPS that allows us to hear the voice of God and walk on this journey from earth to heaven in such a way that we are able to accomplish 
not only his will for our life, but to experience his purpose and destiny. There is never a time when the Holy Spirit living in us and the word of God that is outside of us, even when the Bible, David says, thy word have I hid in my heart, there's never a time when we take that word and treasure it in our hearts that it conflicts with the Holy Spirit. They are in total agreement. Somebody say amen. Now, as we watch, sometimes with horror and disbelief, the events that are transpiring before our very eyes, we need direction like never before. The world as we know it is becoming more unstable by the moment. There's a threat of war in Iran. Thousands of troops are being deployed to hostile foreign countries. There is a real possibility that the draft will be enacted again. Even on this morning, terrorists attacked Americans in Kenya, where some of our church members serve on a regular basis. As we sit comfortably in the confines of these walls, over 12 million acres of land is burning, out of control in Australia, and there's no answer. There's no road for escape. They're actually having to rescue people by way of water, uh, uh, sailors are coming and they've had to enact the uh, uh, enlisted army. They've, been, they've activated uh, uh, the army in, in Australia to rescue people who are trying to escape the fires. But as uncertain as the times are, moving into a new decade, God still has the directions that we need. And what we're going to discover today is that whatever it is we need to know, you will know. We have not been this way before. But what God, has, what God says in Joshua chapter uh, uh, 3, verse 4, he says, you've not been this way before, but you will know which way to go. You will know which way to go. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, and we're not going to read all of the verses, what we discover as we do our study of the Old Testament is that unlike us, Old Testament believers did not have the permanent indwelling, residing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit selectively filled and controlled and enabled believers in the Old Testament, before the book of Matthew, to be directed by God when the Holy Spirit would come upon them, but the same Holy Spirit who never leaves us, the Bible says we are sealed until the day of Christ. The Holy Spirit never leaves us, but in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and he went. However, the same God who led the nations in the Old Testament has provided for us through their testimony that just like he led them during difficult times, he will lead us. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, you'll know, the way, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. Verse 4 says, then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before, but keep a distance about 2,000 cubits, a half a mile between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, the key word as we look at that scripture is the word, the advertisable uh, word that is uh, the, the descriptive word, then. You see that? Then you will know. Before you will know which way to go or what to do, you must understand what, what transpired before this instruction is provided. The last portion of the verse says, here's what we will know. We will need to know certain things to happen in order to proceed to where God is directing us. Pray for me right now. Amen? What we discover about where the children of Israel were going 
involved danger, it involved difficulty, and, and also discipline to get to their destination. And so when the Bible says, then you will know, there, in order for us to know, there's some things that we need to keep in mind going into this new year. First of all, we're going to need to know how to focus. You will need to know how to focus. And you also need to know how to follow. Say follow. follow. Thirdly, you will need to know how to walk in faith. You will need faith to know what to do. And finally, you're going to need to know how to finish. You're going to need to learn how to know how to finish. Say, so finish, faith, focus, and follow. Verses 1 through 3, we read, the, the, uh, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out to Achaia, the Achaia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, say three days, three. that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, now here's the part of the verse I want you to focus on in verse 3. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now, notice what the, what the officers who went through the camp told the nation of Israel. This is a new generation. Uh, after, the, after the generation of Moses died, they, wa they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, the descendants of those parents who died in the wilderness have been raised up. They're standing on the very outskirts of the land. They're in a place called Shittim, and the place where they are is is, is the, 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 there's an obstacle there called the Jordan River. And the Jordan River during this time is in its flood stage. But God has led them there. And as they are being led there, when the, what the officers say, he doesn't tell them where they're going. What he says is, watch for the ark. Watch for the ark. Stay focused. If we are going to get to where God is taking us in 2020 with all the things I believe that are before us, we must focus on the Lord. We must focus on the Lord. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the most sacred religious symbol entrusted to the nation of Israel. God instructed Moses back in the book of Exodus as they were moving towards the promised land to build an ark, to build this wooden case that was covered with pure gold. Inside of the ark was the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments, the rod of, of Aaron that had budded, and then there was a case, a, Katie, a case that held remnants of the manna that God fed the children of Israel as they were making their way to the promise. So there were three things inside the, inside the Ark of the Covenant. But the most significant thing that was inside was the Word of God, the Ten Commandments. On the outside of the Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubims, two angels, angelic figures made of gold. And they were on opposite ends of the, of the Ark of the Covenant, of the box that the, the covenant was kept in. And the two angels faced each other. Now, the significance of them looking in the same direction is that in between the two angels is where God promised to meet the people. And so what God would do over his word, he would appear in, in, his, in what is called the Shekinah glory. God would appear in his brightness, and he would begin to manifest because we know that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit truth. But God will demonstrate his presence by taking on the form of a bright light, which we call in the Old Testament, it's called the Shekinah glory. And so God met the people in the middle of the two angels over the covenant of his word, and it was there that the people knew wherever the ark of the covenant was, that's where God was. And so whenever the ark moved, that meant that God was moving. And so whenever God moved, you, you needed to be focused so that you did not miss the move of God 
by all of the distractions that could keep you from seeing what God is doing. Now, we know today <clears throat> that the physical presence of God is manifested through the lives of believers. The Bible says you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, and, and when people see us living for the Lord, they're actually seeing representations of the Lord. We're not the Lord, but the Lord is living through us, and we become his hands, his eyes, his ears, and his nose. And so while we don't have the Ark of the Covenant with the tablets of the Word of God, the Word that was in the Ark of the Covenant is now in our hearts. It's in our hearts. It's engrafted in our hearts. Now, how do you stay focused on the ark? How do you stay focused on physical or visible manifestations of God? Because God wants us to know he's in our midst. I want you to understand when we praise the Lord, God says, I inhabit the praises of the saints. I want you to know when the saints are praising me, I'm there. God says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I want you to understand that I'm there. He wants us to know where two or three are touching and agreeing in anything on my name, we can bind and loose. I am there. God wants us to know in a very physical way, in a clear way, that he's here. The key is, are you looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, so that when he moves, you're moving? Now, how can you keep your focus on the Lord? Uh, we started this 20, 40 day of consecration. How do you keep your focus on the Lord? One of the ways is we're going to talk about consecration. Uh, another way is... You must be patient. God is never in a hurry. The Bible says they were at Shechem for three days without any instruction, without necessarily knowing what the next thing God was going to do. But when God decided to do whatever it is he was going to do, it took time. And so I want you to understand that if, if God is at work, it is not going to be according to your timetable and my timetable. He, he is not subject to our, our, our calendar and our schedules. And, and so we need to learn to keep focus on the Lord by they that wait on the Lord will have renewed strength. We, we've got to wait in order to keep our attention on him. You need to pay attention. The Bible says, uh, uh, Joshua was instructed by the Lord, when you see the ark of the covenant, then you move. You, so you got to pay attention. And, and the way that you pay attention is that you need to be so controlled by the Spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. That's a sign of lack of discipline. But be ye filled. Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can operate in the spirit of discernment. You can know when, when God is up to something. And, and so a part of knowing when God is up to something is pay attention to the ways of God and the works of God that are around you. I want you to know that God is at work all around us, and sometimes we just don't see it because we're not accustomed to looking through the eyes of the Spirit. You need to pay attention. Say pay attention. We need to pay attention since we've never been this way before. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul puts it this way, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We need to be continuing to focus on those things that are above, those things that have eternal value, not being caught up in the temporal because we understand that everything that you see and I can see is passing away. But set your mind. Make a determination to focus and to concentrate and to ponder on those things that draw you closer to God, that cause you to think like him. Are you praying for me? You need, in order to focus on the Lord, to know what to do, you need purity to focus. The Bible tells us that the Lord says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourself. That meant set aside, step away from anything that is not like me in your life. Put away sin and in, in Exodus chapter 19, when the Lord told the people to sanctify themselves, that meant that for three days they couldn't have sex with their wives. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. That, that's for some people that might have been a problem. Uh, uh, that that might have meant not eating certain foods. It might have meant changing your conversation and, and, and spending more time on your needs. It meant to 
put yourself in a position where you were purifying those things in your life that would keep you from having an intimate encounter with God. And so if you're going to focus on the Lord, you need to purify yourself. You need to join us on this 40 day of consecration. There's some things that you need to shut down. There's some things you need to turn away from. There's some numbers you need to erase. There's some conversations you don't need to have. There's some, there's some experiences you don't need to continue to participate in. There's some programs you don't need to watch. There's some language you need to stop using. There's some substances that you need to stop taking. There's some, there's some thoughts that you need to rid your mind of. You, you need to do what we learned on last Sunday. He said, I beg you by the mercies of God. This is not something that is, is, is unreasonable. He said, but based on all the mercies, the things that we should have gotten but we didn't get by way of judgment, he said, present your body, not mine, but present your body as a living sacrifice the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. Present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, and acceptable. And here's how I translate the end of which is the least you can do. What are you turning away in order to, to be focused on the Lord? What keeps you from reading your Bible? What keeps you off of your knees? What keeps you from telling others about Jesus? What is it in your life that if somebody had to prove in a court of law that you were saved, that would, that what, what is robbing you of the evidence of your salvation? You need to purify yourself. Pay attention. You must be patient. You also need personal reverence. He said, when the Ark of the Covenant moves, don't get near it. <laughs> I like the way the NIV translates. Don't touch it. When we grew up, we were taught, even we, we didn't go to no church. We didn't read no Bible. We had a big one collecting dust on the table. And we listened to Louise Williams, our pastor. He wasn't our pastor, but we, every Sunday... But we understood you don't play with God. I hear the scripture say it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God said, for this reason, some of you are sick and weak and others of you. I've taken out you, that, that people actually God will take your life because you have dishonored him. You don't want to, one of the reasons why churches are emptying out and, and we don't have conviction about wrong that we're doing, you don't fear God. And we have mistaken the grace of God for God's disinterest or somehow God doesn't really exist. But I want you to understand that the grace of God is, he says, I am not willing in my grace that any should perish, but that all should come. God's waiting on you. You haven't gotten away. There's nothing that is done in the dark behind the closed doors that, that is so secret that God, who is always present everywhere, doesn't see it. The most dangerous thing that can happen to you before you close your eyes and enter into a Christless eternity is that God turns you over to your sin, that God gives you a reprobated mind that your conscience becomes seared. You've done sin so long, you feel no conviction about it. He said, don't come near. Maintain your distance. Remember the angels in heaven, they were singing, and, but the Bible says they, with, with six wings, they, they, the two they flew. They maintained a certain fixed position between them and God. God is so holy that they understood that you dare not just burst into the presence of God without respect. Someone that said the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I, if you don't know God and understand what he's like, I get it why you don't fear him. 
He is the very one that is causing your heart to pump blood to your body. He is the one that is causing the mind that you have to work properly. He is the one who has said even before we were formed in our mother's womb, he designed you every strand of hair. And then he set a watch with the, with the, with the granules of sand called time. And the moment you breathed, you were conceived in your mother's womb. You became a living soul. And the, and the clock began to tick. You need to personally reverence God. I'm afraid of people who don't fear God. You, you talk to people who go to church all the time. They have no fear of God. And the evidence is how they live. Don't you fear God? Some of the things you think is bad luck. No, it's God whipping your butt. It ain't bad luck. I don't care how many pills you take, how many doctors you see, you can't buy peace. You cannot buy a good night's sleep. You cannot add a single day or moment to your life. You need to reverence God. Don't come near. Because not only do we need to reverence God, but we don't want to get, in this case, the visible manifestation. Sometimes we, and I'm learning, what God is doing in people's lives, I, can't, I need to leave it alone. My heart is broken. On a regular basis, when I know that there are people who are struggling and, and, and they're, not at, they're not in anybody's church, and they're trying to fake this thing, and they talk about God doesn't, God isn't near. God is near. It ain't him. And that's why I'm saying as a discipleship-making church, we need to be reaching out to people. They don't have to come back here, but they need to be walking in the spirit because the devil is like, a, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion who roams to and fro. What does he do? Seeking who he may devour. Christian in the clutches of Satan is a dangerous tool for unbelievers and babes. So we need to have a personal reverence for God, fearing God. What, what, what's distracting you? What keeps you from worshiping freely? Who are you worrying about? What are you, what are you really focusing on? When you think about what God has done in your life, in a couple hours, when we watch the Eagles defeat. <laughs> amen, amen. Russell Wilson, and I know he's saved, but he's not from Philadelphia. That, you know, that's a different kind of salvation. We will be celebrating. I want you to understand that we should celebrate the Lord that we reverence. You also, in terms of focus, you need to hear and obey the word of God to stay focused. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here in verse 9 and listen to the word of the Lord, your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. Wow. When you hear the word of the living God and that word begins to pierce your heart and convict you and, 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 and the, the, what happens, the Holy Spirit in you can't help but say amen and, and yes. He said, when you hear the word of the living God, then you will know that there is a God in Israel. So the first thing that you need to do to know what to do in 2020 is you need to focus on the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant. We saw patience and prayer, and, which is a part of patience. We saw obedience to the word. Let's move on. Here's another thing in 2020 if you are going to know what to do. Because they're going, I'm telling you, you think it's been wild and unpredictable and unstable. It's, getting, it's going to get worse. You better buckle in. You better get ready for this ride. 
I don't care what the stock market is saying. If the devil is running it, you got people dancing around the idol of materialism and capitalism and political parties. Country is more divided than at any other time. Who do you think is the author of confusion? Bible says that a house that is divided against itself, it's just a matter of when America is going to implode. Not if we don't turn to God. Focus on the Lord. Here's the second thing that needs to happen. You need to follow spiritual leadership. Well, they ain't paying me at that church, and I know that those some of them don't like me, and I tell you. I guess, I, I, how many of you stay home from work because you think somebody don't like you? <laughs> you know the person in HR that signs off, the person who signs off on my check, we ain't friends. So I know I worked 80 hours, but I ain't taking that check. The devil is a liar. I'll take it for you, and I don't even know them. I made this mistake one time. I had a problem with my pastor, and I talked about him to my wife in a spiritual way. And here's what I mean by that. I spiritualized carnality. It wasn't, it wasn't a healthy thing to do or say. And then when things were right between my pastor and I, we, it, we worked out. I went back, things weren't right between my wife and I. And sometimes, the, the, as matchless and as excellent, as proverbial as my wife is, we'll just make these things up. <laughs> Woman of great price that she is. We don't always see the eye to eye. So I said, well, let's talk to the pastor. She said, well, you know the pastor, according to you, <laughs> See, I, 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 I ruined my blessing because there was a time that wouldn't have been her response. God gives the vision to the pastor. In this case, he gave it to Joshua. Joshua received the vision. He shared it to his assistants, the officers, the, the heads of the tribe, and then they shared the, the, the vision that got, they got from the pastor who got it from God, and the same vision was shared with the people. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went before the people. So they did what God told Joshua to do. He passed it on, and the people did it. That's called unity. I believe as we go forward in 2020, there's some people in this church that are leaders, that God has a word through their giftedness for you that he doesn't have through me for you, that need, you, there needs to be some resolution. There need to be, I don't care how they looked at me. This is somebody who can help me. This is somebody I said that I, when, we, when we stand before the congregation as, as leaders and, we let, and hands are laid and, and we make that commitment, we're saying we recognize these elders and these deacons and the, as our leaders which means that you're coming under their authority. The only God, that's God's mode of operation. That's how God works. That's how God speaks. Let me say something about, well, he's just giving himself a car, or just a, a blank check. And you know how, how, how abusive authority leaders can be. Let me tell you how to know when you're dealing with a, a godly leader. Anybody want to know? So you, you can stop sending your money to Apostle, Bishop, Arch, Canterbury, who's putting your prayer request in the dumpster behind his church while cashing your checks that you should be depositing here at your own church. Godly leaders not only get the vision from God, but they lead by example. Listen what happens. So they took the Ark of the Covenant 
And they went before the people. They, did, they didn't expect the people to do something they weren't willing to do themselves. They weren't the kind of leaders that do as I say, not as I do. It was really funny when the Pope slapped that lady's hand. <laughs> she tried to dislocate the brother's shoulder. She, she, really, she really believed the lie that somehow he's superhuman. No, that slap said, I'm very human, and when you hurt me, an eye for an eye, and a two for two, and then we talk about grace. I don't know if I would have just slapped. I don't know. I, I, praise God. I, I, would have, I would have kissed the hand or something. But my point is, the Pope is not God. He's a human being. And hopefully he's saved by the same grace through faith we are. Leaders are not perfect. Godly leaders lead by example. Godly leaders allow God to exalt them. The Lord said, this day, Joshua, in the sight of the people, I am going to exalt you. And I will show the people by what I'm going to do that just like I was with Moses, I'm with you. Husband and wife were out. They were uh, with their friends, and and they were they were really. Uh, he was dressing nice. She was dressing nice, and he kept telling his friends, "Wife, who's in charge of this house? Who runs this?" She said, "You, baby, you, baby." <laughs> and, and 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 of course, all the his friends said, "If you got to keep telling people you're in charge, guess what? Yeah. You're not in charge. <laughs> and if you are seeking after recognition through titles." and position. That's not the biblical way. The Bible says that God exalts and he abases. He gives influence. And so he said, today, so God, a godly leader like God, godly leaders give you the word of God. Joshua said in verse 9, come and hear the word of God. It ain't going to make you feel good. I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm not trying to be condescending or judgment. But I cannot go any further with you than the word. So when you're dealing with godly leadership, they're not signing off or selling the truth for a check. They're not selling the truth to keep you coming to church. They're going to tell you the truth because the faithful are the wounds of a friend. The truth is what sets us free. Not what tickles you. We've got enough, ain't he? All right. I know you. If you feel him today, you just ought to wave one hand. If you felt him yesterday, you ought to shake one leg. If you want to really praise him, you ought to put that head in the ring. You know, you do the hokey pokey and you shake it all around. And, you know. It hasn't stopped us from, from, uh, 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 being any different from the world. Let me run on. Let me run on. Good leaders give glory to God. It's not about them. I want the greatest attribute that I have when people speak of me when I'm long gone is that I was a servant. That I was a servant. Listen to what the book, the, uh, verse 10 says. This is how you will know that there is a living God among you and that he will certainly drive out before you. And then he gives a whole list of the Canaanites and Gershites. And so what he's saying is, when this happens, don't pat me on the back. When we move into our new building, don't pat the pastor and the elders on the back. When we begin to reach the world through Ignite and, and, and reach the world through radical evangelism and folks start getting discipleship and families start being delivered and marriage are brought back into reconciliation, don't give praise to the laborer. Give praise to the one who makes the labor possible. Yeah. Following leadership following leadership. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible was probably the most flawed, Peter the mess up. He was the first one to speak up and also the first one to act up. He cut you just as quick as after three and a half years of walking with Christ, he still was packing. 
It was Peter who said, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this unto you. He said, Peter, Petros, upon this Petros, I will build this little rock, Petros. I'm going to build this on this big rock called faith, the kind of faith that you are exhibiting. I am going to build my ecclesia in the gates of hell. And he said, the reason the gates of hell aren't going to prevail because I'm building it, but I'm also going to give you some keys. But before you get those keys, I got to go to a cross, and I'm going to die. And people say, hey, you ain't going to no cross. Ain't nobody dying up in here. <laughs> Not as long as I'm here. <laughs> Meet my little friend. <laughs> yeah. And we find Jesus rebuking Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. In the same conversation. When Peter denied Christ, he decided to quit the ministry. Guess what the other 10 disciples did? They followed Peter. He was a leader. When you can be a good leader or a bad leader, if you are saved, you are a leader. You're influencing somebody. But at this church, we have leaders that are following the Lord, and one of the ways you know it is that they're not trying to take credit. They're not walking around with a bunch of keys and titles on their, they're walking around looking for opportunities to give glory to God. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to, we're going to uh, uh, shut it down in a little bit. Faith is necessary. Say faith. faith. Joshua said, for tomorrow the Lord will do wondrous things among you. He is going to drive out your enemy. So here's what faith is. You've got to believe in the command. God says, when you see the ark, move. God says, when you move, here's what's going to happen. When you come to the overflooding Jordans, the, the flood will, will still be raging. But until you step in the water. <laughs> so faith is not just profession. It's practice. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That means the faith sees the invisible as if it's visible. That means there's no bridge, but God says there is. And so as I step, the bridge appears. The bridge is already there in the mind of God. We just don't see it because it's the substance of things not seen and the evidence of things hoped for. Faith is always faced with opposition. If it didn't have opposition, it wouldn't be faith. The woman who touched the hem of his garment, she had to crawl through the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus had to get crazy for Jesus to pay attention to him. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree, and people laughed and looked at him like he was crazy. Noah built an ark for 120 years. True faith will always face obstacles. We want to have faith that doesn't challenge us to really step towards a bridge that's not there. And so if you're going to know what to do, you got to take God at his word. And the way you take God at his word, you act on it. You get about it, not just talk. What are you trusting the Lord for? in 2020. What is God calling you to do that really is a, is a Jordan River in front of you, a flood, a place of warfare, a place where you've been defeated? What mountain is God asking you to trust him? Is it fear? Is it procrastination? Is it anger? Is it unforgiveness? What are you prepared to trust God? When the ark, when the presence, when the word of God convicts you, you need to get to stepping. Well, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it because faith is not by sight. It's, by, it's not by what we see. It's by what? By faith. It's not by sight. We're not trusting in what we can see. It's time for us to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Finally, if you're going to know what to do, you need to finish. The Bible says that when the priests stepped 
into the water, the Jordan divided. And God pressed the waters at the, where, the, where the tributary, where the water was flowing. He, he caused it to stand in a heap. He didn't say how long it would be there. He just told them that they would cross over. And when they see the ark, get to, get to move and stand with me. And so the waters departed, and the Levites with the Ark of the Covenant, the Bible says they walked to the middle of the water. That's what happens to us. We get to the middle. We get halfway through. We got to finish. They got to the middle of the Jordan, and they stood, and then they said, after they got to the middle, they stood there. Now, why did they stand there? They should, well, the floods are dry. God didn't say how long it was going to last. He said, until every one of Israel passed through. Until we all reach the full measure of the stature in Jesus Christ, we ain't done. There's some things that we need to finish. And that means standing in the middle with the water in a heap. It means standing in the middle with obstacles all around us. Standing in the middle with uncertainty. Standing in the middle with tears. Standing in the middle with pain. Hold on until the Lord says, move forward. The Levites didn't cross over to the other side until everybody was on the other side. When you look back, in 2019, at your home, at something God has called you to do, what haven't you finished? What have you left in the middle? What do you keep going back to? You stand, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get rid of. I want you to know that God doesn't give more revelation for new things until you've done what He's already told you. There's some things you need to finish, some projects, some things you need to give away, some dreams that weren't given to you by God that you need to release yourself from. And so when I finish, when I am focused, when I'm following leadership, God will let us know. The next thing to do. Somebody say amen. amen. God will let us know. Somebody say amen. amen. God will let us know the next thing to do. Because when we are doing the next thing, we will also be walking in faith. Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we bow before.